sermon title this morning is Christ is God's perfect solution for sin. And we're going to be looking at scripture primarily in Galatians chapter 3 and uh, start starting to read in verses 6 through 18. And uh, before we do that, uh, we know that this is the first Sunday in Lent. Uh, we do not, uh, as a church, uh, follow the practices of, of Lent that uh, some of the religious groups follow. Uh, Lent really, uh, the only Lent we knew about when we were growing up was uh, what came off your clothes, and uh, so we were not part of the of the formal church that uh, followed that. I don't ever remember seeing anybody at the time when I was growing up uh, with uh, ashes on their forehead in the form of a cross, uh, and I mean you do not find anything in the scripture about about Lent. It is uh, something that was begun perhaps before 325, but the Council of Nicaea uh, spoke about it. Uh, it was originally, as uh, I read what the Encyclopedia Britannica had to say about it, that uh, it was a uh, practice that uh, at the time when a a, uh, a very grievous sinner uh, de determined that they were going to uh, straighten up their ways uh, if somebody that was barred from taking uh, communion or the Eucharist uh, they, they were not part of the religious community, uh, they de determined they were going to change their ways. So according to the Britannica, uh, it said that uh, the, they, uh, on the time of baptismal, uh, they wore slack sackcloth as a form of public penance. And uh, at that time, ashes were sprinkled on the baptismal candidate. Uh, so from, from that, uh, 325, of course we think about Christ's death somewhere around uh, 33 AD, so we're looking 300 years later. Uh, this began to be acknowledged as being a practice in especially the Catholic Church and uh, so where did they get the, the days of Lent? Uh, that is something that they took from the temptation of Christ, the 40 days of Christ's temptation. And uh, so where did they get the ashes? You probably already know where they get the ashes. They, they burn last year's palm branches and save the ashes from from that, and that's where the ashes come from. Uh, so we don't do any of that. Uh, we do not 
discourage anyone from drawing closer to God at any time of the year. And uh, if we have a religious uh, observance that helps us to do that, to draw closer to God, that's, that's fine. Uh, but we also realize that our salvation is in Jesus Christ. And whatever we do that might show great uh, a kind of conformity uh, will not save our souls. Uh, we can go through all the ritual and all the liturgy that uh, man can provide, but that does not save us. And so, yeah, the, the Protestant church uses some of the things that have been uh, recognized down through the ages. Um, and I heard recently, I think it was last week, I heard uh, somebody say that uh, some speaker had got up and said that there was no reason for the Protestant and the Catholic to be separate anymore because uh, we were not protesting anymore and uh, that uh, we, the Catholics and the Protestants are closer together and so uh, we ought to just go back into the go back into the Catholic Church and be part of that. Um, I don't understand how anybody can go from being a Protestant, I hear about some once in a while that will go from being a Protestant to being a Catholic. Uh, I don't understand the adoration of Mary and the exaltation of Mary to a place of, of divinity and even to the assumption of Mary that uh, she, would, she would actually be caught up to heaven because she was too holy to die. Uh, there are just too many things uh, that are practiced in uh, confessional and things like that, that I don't understand how a thinking person, if they paid any attention at all to what the scriptures say, could embrace those things and, and uh, could feel a sense of uh, belonging uh, in that kind of belief. So if if they do, and uh, some, you know, I'm not saying that all Catholics are going to hell. I know uh, Gene Lawhon, when he was, he and Rosemary were missionaries in New Guinea, and uh, uh, there was a, there was a Catholic nun that actually got converted, and uh, she didn't she didn't immediately leave the Catholic Church. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but uh, she was going around telling everybody how they could be forgiven of their sins and, and they, could, they could receive Christ as their Savior. Um, and uh, I don't know what she did after those days, you know, if she saw the light and just determined she couldn't be that. Uh, in that organization any longer? I don't know. <coughs> so, God hadn't appointed me to be a judge, uh, but a proclaimer of the truth of the scripture. So I try to do that, mind my own business, and let God deal with the others. I 
I have welcomed any support that uh, I, we get from uh, those that are parts of other religious organizations when they stand against some of the terrible sins that have been a part of society when they stand with the Christian church. And you know, folks, that we're coming up to a big vote again in Ohio because you think abortion's been uh, changed because of the Supreme Court ruling, but you know they're coming to the states and they've already got enough signatures on the ballot to come for a vote and they would like for Ohio to vote that abortion is legal in Ohio. And uh, so it's gonna be coming. And it's probably, it's probably gonna be coming if it don't pass first time, they'll probably keep coming uh, because the devil doesn't give up, folks. So I, I'm, I'm just giving you that advance notice that it's very likely gonna be on the ballot. And uh, if you think that we shouldn't go that route, uh, better be talking to people and letting people know uh, that they better, better vote for life because otherwise uh, we'll see a reversal of good things uh, that were done by the Supreme Court and it will, be, will become a decision of each individual state, as you know. Uh, so, uh, wanted to say those things before I read the scripture this morning. And uh, the scripture this morning uh, speaks about Christ uh, being all that we need. Uh, he is God's perfect solution for sin. And so we're going to read, and if you would stand with me for the reading of the word this morning. <clears throat> and we're starting at verse 6 of Galatians 3. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that Abraham would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith. The man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet 
If it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law which was 430 years after cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. And we'll conclude our reading with that verse. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, you know this morning we've come to worship you. We've come to hear the word. Lord, uh, we want the Holy Spirit to have free course in our service from beginning to end. And we pray your continued presence will be with us. Speak to our hearts. Lord, uh, I pray that as we look at the blessings that are ours through Jesus Christ, that uh, we will feel uh, the glory of God uh, as we rejoice in God's provision for us. Lord, how good you take care of us, how you have provided for your people, dear Lord, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles, those that come to you. You have given such a great salvation, and we rejoice in you, and we say praise the Lord this morning for the benefits that we have of being part of the family of God. Continue with us, we pray, and and help me, dear Lord, as I try to proclaim the truth this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. The Galatian church was giving Paul great worries. Uh, Paul probably established these believers. uh, We would consider it to be South Galatia. Galatia was not a city. Galatia was an area. And uh, when on his first missionary journey, some would say it was on his second missionary journey when he went a little further Uh, to the north, but it appears because he didn't say anything uh, in his presentation about the Council of Jerusalem that was was held uh, and recorded in the the Acts of the Apostles, uh, that it was probably on his first missionary journey. And so uh, he went across the Isle uh, and up into the southern part of Galatia. Uh, And so these people that were believers uh, were were Gentiles. And the Bible speaks about this uh, when uh, he says uh, that in verse 8, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Uh, he's actually calling these people that he's writing to 
uh, heathens. Uh, they, were, they were not Jews. It, it, basically, if you weren't a Jew, I mean, you might be a Greek, uh, you, might, you might be of another nation, but you were a heathen, whatever you, whatever you were. If you weren't a Jew, you were a heathen. And uh, so it was the Jews to whom God gave his promises and the promises of a Savior, the promises of eternal life to come. And so uh, in verse 8, the scripture foreseeing that God will justify the heathen through faith. Uh, preached before the gospel unto Abraham. Did you know that uh, Abraham had the gospel preached to him? Saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. And so it wasn't just the Jews. It was, it was the Gentiles. It was you and I folks who are non-Jewish that this came to us the same as it came to the Jews. And it was through Abraham. Uh, so uh, we which are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Uh, now, being of faith does not just mean voicing faith, but it means believing faith. It means casting all of our confidence on the Lord Jesus Christ and believing that he forgives our sins, believing that he is hearing our prayer, that he is in the presence of God the Father on the right hand of the Father, and that when we exercise our faith, that there is a transaction that takes place in heaven, that we are justified in the sight of God, because of Christ, and there is a witness that takes place in our hearts, and there is a continuing witness that takes place in our lives. So it's not just, it's not just coming forward and praying a prayer and saying, I believe, uh, having the preacher put his hand on you, or any of those things. It is a transaction that God himself knows about that takes place in our heart that says, I have believing faith, and that transaction then is recorded in heaven, and God witnesses to our spirits uh, that we are a child of God. And then, as I said, the witness goes on because when that has happened to us, our lives are changed. And no, it does not mean that we're perfect, that we don't have areas that need to be improved on, that now we have arrived, but it does mean that we are on a different road and we're following a different leader. Well, we're following the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, we are different people as we go out among those of our neighborhoods, our communities, uh, wherever our workplace and uh, any of those things, the grocery store and all those things. Uh, so 
uh, we, we have become followers of Christ. Uh, so these Galatians, these people in the area of Galatia, had, uh, had believed, and then there were people that came in and said, well, you know, you can't really be right with God unless you're keeping the law, the Old Testament law. And we know that uh, there, there are many, many laws in the Old Testament. Uh, I didn't review, but in memory, I think there's 613 laws that, and then there are multiplied other laws that spring from that. Uh, I believe it was when I was in Israel, they told, told us that uh, the pomegranate is supposed to have 613 seeds, and that's how many laws there were, is what they told us. I never cut a pomegranate and counted the seeds. So if you want to do that, help yourself. But uh, there are many of them. And uh, so they were telling these Galatians, if you want to be a real Christian, then you'll follow the Old Testament. Uh, folks, there are still people today that endorse following the Old Testament. Um, and they, I'm not saying that uh, they're, they're not right with God, but I think their teaching is off base, off target, because uh, we are saved by faith. But what about the Ten Commandments? Do we throw them in the trash can? Ten Commandments will be very basic, very basic indeed to Christianity. Uh, you certainly have no place to discard the Ten Commandments because people that are born of God, born of the Spirit, are going to keep the law, uh, the law of love. And so how do you, how do you uh, commit adultery? How do you steal? How, how do you kill if you're following the law of love? Uh, so the Ten Commandments are very basic. And what about reverence for God? Reverence for God, for God's name. It grieves my heart sometimes, and uh, you know, you know, once in a while, uh, you hear somebody that is a Christian, but they've gotten very lax in their in their reverence for the name of God, and uh, so they'll they in their speech, whether they, they know they do it or not, they're oh my God, they'll say oh my God. Uh, and I'm sorry, but I'm not too shy to tell somebody, uh, you, ought to, you ought to be careful about that because the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain, is what Scripture says. I, don't, I, don't, I think we ought to guard that, and we ought to remember that uh, we are to have respect, and uh, the name of God should be used when we're praying, but not when we're out just circulating and and uh, uh, just wanting to take some kind of assurance of an oath or whatever. So uh, Paul here says that uh, we are blessed with faithful Abraham. Now a companion chapter of this, of this chapter would be Romans 4. 
Paul, Paul really addresses a lot of things in Romans 4 that he touches on here. And uh, he goes on with this thought that uh, Abraham was justified by faith. And when we come right down to the, to the conclusion of this, and I got this thought from uh, the writers of the Wesley commentary, uh, er, Dr. Earl Wilson and uh, Dr. Beasley and Dr. Callan. Uh, we come to a choice uh, whether we are going to fall, follow uh, Moses or Abraham? Are we going to follow Moses or Abraham? Well, the Judaizers or the people that were teaching keep the law, they were following the law of Moses. So you got that? Okay. Paul said you need to follow Abraham. Now, for those of you that are not real sure, Abraham predated Moses. <clears throat> he is the father uh, of all these offspring that became the Jewish nation. <coughs> and so uh, when you think of Abraham, you think of the originator of the race, the originator of the Jewish nation. When you think of Moses, you think of the lawgiver. And so when you think of Abraham, <clears throat> Paul said you need to go back hundreds of years before Moses, 430. You need to go back and you need to look at what happened to Abraham because Abraham had a unique encounter with God. He had a covenant from God and that covenant was that because of his faith that he was going to be accounted as righteous um, so it wasn't just at the birth of Isaac but I think I think that the covenant of faith covered more than just going into the land of Canaan. And you see it, you see it emphasized as you read about the life of Abraham. Because it was, go into this land and I'll make of you a great nation. And so Abraham obeyed. He moved in faith. And God counted it to him for righteousness. And I've got scriptures on these things, but I don't think I got time to take you to all of them. Uh, but uh, when when God gave that promise back in Genesis, uh, he he assured Abraham that his his seed were going to increase. He was going to have a great nation follow after him. And you remember the all the trials of Abraham that uh, he got to be an old man, didn't have any child. He had 
at least not with Sarah. He was an old man when he had a child with Hagar. But God said it was going to be through Sarah. Finally, God brought that to pass when Sarah was 90 and Abraham 100. Um, so didn't seem like that was going to happen, but Abraham believed God, and God brought it to pass. And so uh, the scripture said that God accounted it to him, his belief in God accounted it to him for righteousness. Now, let's look at, look at Romans chapter 4, uh, and we're not, we're not going to stay there, but just look at Romans chapter 4, and it says here, and we'll read just a little bit of, of this, uh, if you go back to Romans 4 uh, and verse 16, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. Now therefore it was imputed or accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone, but that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. And so uh, that is what Paul is saying to the Galatians. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So then Paul goes on with the argument. He said, so 430 years later, the, the law was given. Uh, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt and God gave them his law on Mount Sinai. But he said God already had given a promise, a covenant to Abraham. And so even if you have a human will today and that person passes, you cannot change that will. It is already established by law. And that's what Paul says here, uh, that this, this law, this covenant that was given, uh, that it, in verse 15, 
Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. So I'm telling you about the law, the current law, though it be but a man's covenant, a man's will, a, land, a man's legal binding covenant, yet it be confirmed, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannuleth or can set it aside like it doesn't matter or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. <clears throat> and he said not, and to seeds of, uh, as of many. But Paul brings it out that Abraham was being addressed about his seed that was going to come, which was Christ. I'm, I am telling you that... Uh, this promise is through your offspring, and the offspring is Christ, your seed. So he, he said he's not talking about the Isaac and the Jacob and so forth. He's talking about Christ in your seed, which is going to be Christ that's going to be born to this family. The covenant, I say, that covenant was confirmed before of God in Christ. The law, which was 430 years after, cannot set it aside, that it should make the promise of none effect. So the, the question today is, actually it's not a question. It is, it is a decision. Are you following Moses? Are you following Abraham? Are you following the law of works? Because if you do, then you have great jeopardy. And Paul brings that out here to the Galatians. Uh, he says, you know, we've t we tell people this. Sometimes we don't know where it is <laughs> when we tell them. You know, you are, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You say, well, uh, you know, I'm pretty good, but I've only, I've only really messed up one time. Well, the Bible says you're guilty of all. Uh, it, it's written that you're guilty of all. So it's right here. Uh, it says uh, that it is, it is said in the law that uh, if you offend in one point, look in verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. What's the curse? Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So, one thing. Step aside in one thing and you're guilty of all. There was only one person that ever lived on this earth that kept all the law of God. That was Jesus Christ. Jesus kept it perfectly in every point, in every way. He kept it so that he could come to the end of his life and he could say, everything that you told me to do, I have done, Father. And then he offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. I found it interesting uh, that uh, when Jesus died on the cross, 
the Jews thought he's finished. His, his believers, his followers, they're finished. They're, they're done for. Because the ultimate of condemnation has happened to their leader. What was the ultimate of condemnation? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 21. And we will read this one. Deuteronomy chapter 21. And verse 22. There was capital punishment in Israel. Capital punishment. Now, we think about capital punishment today. It's quite, it's, it's a, a great controversy some places, isn't it? Um, some people don't think that anybody ought to be put to death for their crime. doesn't matter what they've done. They, we ought to feed them for 40 or 50 years, whatever, till they die a natural death. And if they're having trouble in the end of their life, we ought to put them on drugs so that they're comfortable, so they leave, leave this world uh, without agony. Even if they've killed a family, even if they've tortured people, even if they've cooked people and eaten them, uh, we ought to just treat them real good and, and help them get out of this world very peacefully. Uh, so however you believe, I don't, uh, if something like that happens, I know uh, a woman that uh, works locally here, I won't name who she is, I was talking to her, she said she's coming upon the anniversary of the death of her brother, uh, lived out in Galloway, and somebody came to his door, gunpoint, wanted his car brother, her brother gave the man the car keys and was taking him out to the car. The man put the gun to the back of his head and shot him to death. He laid for four days. They couldn't open the casket because he was so deteriorated. And he made it out to the west, uh, Missouri, as I recall, with the car, and they brought him back. He's been sat, sat and waiting on trial. So, you, you know, he gave the man the car. He, he wasn't resisting. The man just decided he was going to do away with him. Uh, I have a little problem with some of those things, the things that are done to little kids. You know where they bring kids in and bones are broken and you see they've been beaten. Um... I guess they ought to be treated real nice and live a real cushy life on the taxpayer dime, uh, according to some people. But I see, I see some other things in that than, than that way. But there was capital punishment. And as I read on capital punishment, said the Jews had four... Uh, according to the Talmud, which is a collection of Jewish writings, stoning, well, we know they did a good bit of that, didn't they? Very easy to take care of capital punishment with stones. Uh, so uh, Paul almost went that way, didn't he? He got stoned at Lystra and was 
taken for dead, but God had other plans for him. So stoning, um, also uh, burning, beheading, strangulation. You could strangle somebody. And uh, what they did was, if a person was executed, capital punishment, uh, they took the body and hoisted it on a stake or a tree or a post. Uh, and it hung there as a testimony that this person was justly executed for violating a divine law, a law of God. So they made them a public example. So reading here in Deuteronomy chapter 22, or 21 rather, and verse 22, and if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be, and he be to be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree. Now this is talking about the exhibition after the capital punishment. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God. that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. For he that is hanged is accursed of God. So here we have Christ who was hung on a tree and the Jews said, the Jewish hierarchy said he's finished because He's accursed of God. He's been hung on a tree, hung on, a, hung on the cross. But the Bible says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So Christ volunteer, voluntarily did that and took all of our punishment, we were due divine justice, but Christ took it on himself and publicly allowed himself to be hung between heaven and earth to say, I will do it for them. I will give my life for them. And look at what Terrible humiliation that was. We know today they put a nice little cape, cape around on the cross, but there wasn't that then. He was hung for all to gawk out, naked before all of humanity, but he was carrying our sin. But he said he did that, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So, Paul saying, Galatians, you didn't get saved by works. 
and you're not going to be able to walk, walk with God through the works of the law. You're going to have to have faith. You're going to have to put your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And that is still true for us today. Yes, there are some that go off into trying to keep different laws and rules. And yes, they can be a witness that we are following God, but they do not make us right with God. It's our, it's our personal relationship through Jesus Christ that makes us right with God. Yes, there will be changes in the places we go and the things we do, but it is, it is a relationship that we have because it is by faith. We look by faith and realize Christ did it all for us. Well, Lent, the first Sunday in Lent. And it don't, it's not the first Sunday of Lent, it's the first Sunday in Lent. It goes for, it goes for 40 days, so to speak, but actually in, a, in the West it goes for 46 days, doesn't it? Because they don't count Sunday. So it's just the other days of the week. And so, as we go through this time, we remember what Christ did for us, that he took our curse, curse upon himself, and he's our wonderful Savior, and he loves us, and he wants us to follow him and to find the glories that lie ahead in a heaven he's prepared for us. Will you stand with me this morning?